Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slips a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Kelly Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are going to take a look at the wide receiver class here in the 2021 NFL Draft. With our friend who helped us break down the cornerbacks, did such a great job that I'm glad he's back to talk wide receivers, Mr. Eric Crocker. Eric, welcome back. Oh, man. Thanks for having me back. So remember, last time, you really liked the tier system that I set up, so we'll do it that way again. I just tweeted that out. I'm not doing <laughs> I was here one step. I'm doing tier. I actually just tweeted that out about 30 minutes ago, so I probably should have, you know, I kind of plagiarized it a little bit. I should state my sources. <laughs> That's okay. I give you full permission. It's not plagiarism <laughs> if the originator gives you permission. So we're going to do it that way again with the tier system. But before we get to that, I just want to note once again that in addition to Eric having been a professional cornerback in the NFL and the AFL and knowing defensive backs, it also means he knows wide receivers. And as I said on the last show, he's also a 49ers guy. So he knows all about the systems that Robert Sala and Michael LaFleur are going to run. So who would be the best fit Definitely. in the system? is something that he can be particularly insightful on. And so, Eric, let's start with tier number one. And this is my opinion. Tier one is three guys in my estimation. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. And all three of them have different question marks about them. Let's start with Jamar Chase, who I have as number one. The biggest question mark with Jamar Chase, and for me really the only question mark, 
is that you have to go back two years to look at his tape because he opted out this past year. Can't fault him on a personal level because everything that was going on, he made a choice. But at the same time, we both know that when you have to go back two years on tape, it becomes difficult because what happens with this guy? Would he have taken a step forward? Would he have taken a step back? What would have happened if teams were able to accrue more tape on him this year? A lot of things that we don't know. And this is a question that you have to ask of anybody that opted out or missed this past year due to injury. So tell me what you think of Jamar Chase. First of all, do you agree with me that he's the number one receiver in this class? And number two, what do you like and not like about him? Yeah, so Jamar Chase, man, he's a very polarizing prospect. And I'm, I'm listening to everything that everybody says. And I'm, I'm watching NFL Network. And, you know, they're, they're at his pro day. And they're just talking about him. Like, you know, he's the, he's the best thing since Julio Jones, even though Julio Jones wasn't the first receiver taken in his class. But he's the best thing since Julio Jones. <laughs> and um, they view him as this, like, can't miss – generational prospect at the receiver position. And I really struggle with this because I just don't see that. Um, what I see is a very talented receiver. I think he is really good um, once the ball is in his hands. I think after the catch, he does some really good things in a straight line, like he can outrun guys. And I think that's when his speed kind of shows up. I think downfield, he does a really good job of being a vertical threat and winning with physicality at the top of routes. I think he does an amazing job with that. I think his uh, body control is really good. But the one thing I've noticed with him, and this is very, it's kind of rare. I I typically don't see this. He wins the same way he loses. And typically that's not the case with receivers. They typically win a certain way. And if they lose, it's typically a, a different way. Well, he wins with physicality and he also loses a lot of reps the same exact way. And I feel like maybe I'm like, man, am I like taking crazy pills because nobody else brings this up? And, you know, and, or they kind of use it to where it's like, well, it's not really an issue. And to me, it's like, no, it is an issue. He struggles to get separation. So unless he's schemed open, most of the time he has to win at, with 50-50 balls or contested catches. Now, what most people would tell you is, well, he wins that way. And what I would tell you is when you watch all 22 – he also loses a ton of reps that way. I think whatever team that he goes to, he's going to have to go to a, a team with a quarterback that is really comfortable throwing those type of contested passes. I think that's what made it work so well with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was able to, you know, he was willing to just throw it up in that area. I think his ball placement was terrific on deep balls or underneath passes. And it's like, I'm just going to give him a chance. And you would definitely see him win those reps. We saw it time and time again. But when you put on the all 22, you see time and time again, him also lose a ton of reps. The big plays were really big and they stand out the most. But even then, there are a lot of plays where he's losing reps because of his inability to create separation. And again, maybe he's not a guy that's going to create separation, right? Like an Anquan Bowden. But even then, like I I would like to see him, if that is going to how you're going to win, you still have to be able to win a little bit more consistently because when you turn the film on, there's a lot of reps where he's just erased from the, from the play or a quarterback is just going to really have to trust the fact that he's going to bully his way through this guy and make the play, which he, he can do. Right. So I really feel like, and and I don't want to come off as if I don't like him. I, I definitely like Jamar Chase. I do think he has some really good things, but I would like to see him add a little bit more twitch and suddenness to his game to where 
he doesn't get to the NFL level, and now he's in a dogfight every rep with a guy like Jalen Ramsey. Let's talk about the guy that I have number two on the list now. And I'm curious if after hearing what you said about Jamar Chase, maybe you have one of the Alabama boys above him. The first Alabama boy I've got is Jalen Waddell. And I think he would very much be in that conversation for number one wide receiver if he isn't already. It's possible that there are several teams that have him number one on their board at wide receiver if it wasn't for that ankle injury. I think that's definitely something that's going to make teams pause a little bit. But besides that, he is an electric talent. And I know that Devontae Smith won the Heisman Trophy, and we'll talk about him next. But to me, Jalen Waddell was the most explosive guy that Alabama had. Yeah, I mean, and he's the most explosive player in all of college football. You know, I think his ability to really be sudden, twitchy, um, explosive, in and out of breaks, I think he does an amazing job there. I think, I think an underrated part of his game is his ability to attack the ball at his highest point in the air. I think he does an amazing job doing that, and that's pretty consistent. There were times where his quarterback, Mac Jones, just throws the ball up in the area in traffic and, you know, downfield. And you see Waddle being able to go up over two guys and catching the ball. Um, you know, he does a really good job of being a guy where they just want to get the ball in his hands, in space, you know, around the line of scrimmage. And him make several guys miss, kind of be like a jitterbug type guy and, um, you know, end up picking up, you know, 12 yards out of nothing. I think he does a really good job with that. His twitch and suddenness and explosiveness is like on a different level. And I think a lot of people want to com- probably compare him to, well, Jalen Ruggs. I mean, uh, Jalen Ruggs. <laughs> um, Henry Ruggs was, you know, he was this fast guy. They're, they're different type of receivers. There's one that's more twitchy and sudden, and the other one is more of a long strider. So after the catch, they give you the same thing um, where they can outrun an entire defense and outrun the angles. But I think everything that Waddle does before he catches the ball is just on a different level than Henry Ruggs. And that was the first receiver taken in last year's draft. So um, there's a lot to like about him. I'd say the one thing, you know, if I were to say, like, what's a knock on him, it's he tries to win every single rep by just outrunning defenders. So he doesn't do anything to, like, move the defensive back off of a spot, you know, at the line of scrimmage or anything like that. He kind of just, like, well, I'm just really fast, so I'm just going to run by everybody. And obviously, it can work. I think why it wasn't an issue really in college was because he plays primarily in the slot and he faced more favorable matchups with guys kind of off of him or off in space. And, you know, you can't guard him in space. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's tough. So from that standpoint, I think it was very advantageous for him, like knowing that that, that, you know, just him trying to win everything with speed is like his limitations, I guess you could say. Um, it's not, it's hard to explain. It's not a limitation because obviously he can win that way. But um, just if he can add a little bit more nuance to his game, and what I mean by that is just, you know, moving defensive back, setting them up, you know, getting them outside of their frame so that they open up. And then now, like now you're talking about somebody that's really special. And I think that's when you're talking about somebody that's like, uh, like a uh, uh, Tariq Hill, where, you know, there's not a lot of receivers like that. And I know he's probably going to get comp to Tariq Hill a lot. I think the finishing touch on him being kind of a Tariq Hill clone is really adding that nuance to his game at the line of scrimmage. So I, I, I really like him a lot. And I think he has a really high ceiling. Let's talk about his teammate, Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. There were people that in the wake of Smith's performance for Alabama in the national championship 
declared that the Jets should consider him with the number two overall pick. Now, I thought that was insane, and I said it immediately. Sometimes people are prisoners of the moment. That doesn't mean that Devontae Smith isn't an excellent wide receiver prospect. My only concern with him is, if I'm going to take a wide receiver that high, anywhere near number two, top 10, let alone number two, he's 165 pounds. I know they list him at 175, but generally they'll bulk these guys up a little bit. He's very undersized for a guy that's going to get picked that high. I think he can become a very good wide receiver in the NFL But I'm with Daniel Jeremiah on this. If I'm going to be picking a receiver so high, he needs to be a freak of nature. You need to be looking at a Calvin Johnson, a Julio Jones, an A.J. Green, somebody like that if I'm going that high. That said, if we're talking about like mid-first round, that's a different story. I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver. But I do see where his size could limit him a little bit at the next level. Do you agree? Um. I, I don't know if it'll limit him. I, I'd say just from the first thing you talked about with like the Jets taking him at two, mm-hmm. I would have a hard time taking any of these receivers in the top 10. If I'm kind of a GM and I know there's a lot of people that agree, disagree with me on this. Um, but if, if I'm a GM, the only pass catcher I'm taking in the top 10 is Kyle Pitts. Like Kyle Pitts is different. Like he's a unicorn. Like he brings something that you just absolutely cannot get throughout the rest of the draft, right? He's a special, unique talent. Um, and he creates so many different mismatches, uh, mismatch, mismatches and favorable matchups for the offense, whether he's at tight end and, you know, that screws up with their personnel because it's like, well, do we put a linebacker on him? Well, linebackers can't catch him. What if he starts off? at, you know, with his hand in the dirt, then they motion him and they split him out into this slot. Then you have a linebacker on him in space. Like, I, th- I think, and then he's six foot six, like corners can't guard him on the outside. Guys can't guard him in the slot. So to me, he's so special. I would take him at two if that's something that I really want to do, right? Or, but he's the only pass catcher that I probably would take in the top 10. Now, gosh, what is that noise? But um, as far as the other guys, which I really like, and we're talking about uh, Devontae Smith now. My, 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 my take on this, on Devontae Smith being a guy that is, you know, six foot, six one, you know, 170 pounds or whatever. I, I think people make a little bit too much about his lack of weight. Like the way I do it and the way I go off of film is I want to look and see, like, you know, I want the film to take the notes for me. All right. So I want the film to tell me what this guy can and cannot do. So far, when I'm watching him and if I want to just kind of like check off boxes, he checks every single box from an ability standpoint. It's not until you know that he weighs 170 pounds or whatever that you're going to say, oh, well, uh, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared of this or I'm scared of that. But it's like, do he play in the SEC? And as far as what I want to consistently see on film, he had no issues with anything. I thought he played through contact extremely well. I thought at the line of scrimmage, he's extremely difficult to get hands on. A lot of times the smaller guys are harder to get hands on than the bigger guys. I think that's something that uh, the casual fans don't really understand. Like I would much rather guard a bigger receiver at the line of scrimmage because it's just easier to get hands on them. The smaller guys, it's a little harder. And if you try really hard to get hands on those smaller guys, you end up probably stopping your feet, which locks your hips. And then now your turn and run is tough. And then for the rest of that rep, your time clock is kind of sped up. So that's why you see guys at the line of scrimmage with Devontae Smith, but they barely ever touch him because he's that good being able to kind of get skinny and get off the line without getting touched. And then now he's a nuanced route runner from there. 
I think he he plays, and I like to say, you know, he plays big, but he plays as big as any pass catcher in this class. Um, and what I mean by that is you can't find too many reps where they just threw the ball up to him and there was a 50-50 opportunity, and he did not come down with the ball. And that didn't matter who was guarding him or where he was lined up. He went up top on the 6'4", receiver, uh, the 6'4 cornerback from South Carolina. He went up top on – uh, Ole Miss a bunch of times. Um, Eric Stokes, who's probably going to be in the late first uh, round or uh, uh, yeah, end of the first round or early second round type guy, like went up top on him. I mean, uh, Derek Stingley, who's probably going to be the top corner in the, in the class next year, he went up top on him where he jumped over on jumped on his head and caught the ball. So his size, I never saw it being an issue. The only time I thought that the size might affect him is probably more so in the blocking game. And I thought he was a very willing blocker. And he was good, but that that could be an issue where, you know, if I'm going to throw a screen to a receiver, I, I, I probably would be throwing it to him because I don't know if I want him blocking guys out in space. He might get my guy killed. And that's another thing, though. That's still me kind of projecting because it wasn't really an issue in college. I thought he blocked fairly well for somebody, you know, especially with his size. So there's a lot of people that kind of project that something might be more of an issue than what it is because everything on his film says that it's not an issue. Now, if he say he does lose a rep at the line of scrimmage, say he gets pressed, there's going to be a lot of people that say, well, he got pressed and he lost his rep because he's 170 pounds. But I've seen Jamar Chase lose a bunch of reps at the line of scrimmage. And they'll never say, well, it's because he's 200 pounds. You know, they'll just say, well, he plays through that. And it's like, well, yeah, he has to play through that because that's how he has to win. But he also loses a lot of reps that same way. I, I, I mean, I can tell you, I, there's not many reps that you see um, – uh, Devontae Smith lose definitely with physicality. I think he plays through things. He plays extremely strong, plays big, and he does everything that you would want to see from your receiver. So that, that's just kind of my spill on, on Devontae Smith and what I'm seeing. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Before we get into the rest of the wide receivers, I know Kyle Pitts isn't technically a wide receiver, but clearly you've taken a look at him. You just mentioned him before. What do you think? Does he have the kind of dominant potential that some of us believe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th- I think just somebody with just that type of versatility. He- he's the best tight end I've seen coming out. Mm-hmm. I say as just like pure receiver skills. I think mm-hmm. the only guy I kind of put up there is probably like Evan Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he was really good coming out. I really liked him coming out of Ole Miss. And that's not me studying. That was just me. Like, I remember watching Ole Miss games and be like, man, who's this receiver number 17? Come to find out he's a tight end. <laughs> but um, outside of that, I mean, and me being a 49er fan, I remember when Vernon Davis was coming out. But Vernon Davis was probably more of a physical freak from the standpoint of being, you know, running in the four threes, being like this workout warrior. But he wasn't like a natural pass catcher. Like, he wasn't a fluid athlete, right? He was just big, fast, and he could outrun people. But he like, caught the ball like a seven-year-old. Like, he'd catch the ball with, like, all chest. I think uh, when I look at Kyle Pitts, he's probably the best tight end prospect I've seen come out. And I think his – the areas where you can line him up and the way he can beat defenders, he's going to be extremely difficult to defend. There are a lot of people that are saying, well, what is he, a receiver or a tight end? I'd say he's an offensive weapon. I would, I would list him as tight end. And that makes it to where I can do everything with him that I want to do, whether it's put his hand in the dirt, create mismatches that way, or split him out in the slot or outside. So I wouldn't, I know there's some people that are like, oh, well, he's a receiver. He needs to be a receiver. If I'm him, I want to be a receiver because receivers make more money on that second contract. But if I'm a team, he's much more uh, beneficial as a tight end because of the mismatches that he present with the personnel that teams have to play him with. Let's get back to the wide receivers, and this is where I would divide into Tier 2. And we'll start with a guy that I think would be a great fit for the Jets. He sort of has that Debo Samuel-type quality that he could bring to the team, I think. One really great year at Florida, so there's a little concern there. And that is Kadarius Toney. Boy, is he explosive. My friend Clayton Smarslock, who's the co-host of Play Like a Jet Live in conjunction with U Stadium, who's a huge Florida fan, said that Kadarius Tony, in his opinion, has a chance to be Percy Harvin without the migraines. That's pretty high praise. I don't know <laughs> if I'd go that far, but I do like Tony. What do you think of him? Okay, so I actually just finished up my, my whole breakdown on him and posted that uh, yesterday. I, I would say my, my issue with him is there are these like special plays that you see from him, and then there's a lot of less desirable plays and there's not a whole lot in the middle. Now, I think the things where he did a really good job was really understanding spacing and like getting open in space um, and settling down in open areas. I would like to see him be like more of a vertical threat. Uh, That would have been something to see like, no, he did catch some passes downfield. I think I watched and studied six games from 2020. So Obviously, that's not, like, just large sample size, but I think he caught, as far as, like, beating man coverage or anything like that vertically, he caught one ball that was vertically in those six games. Um, And even on that play, it was like the corners kind of switched, and then the safety was kind of, like, inside leverage on him and was supposed to, like, get over top, and he didn't get over top quick enough, and he ran off for a touchdown. So that was really the only play, like, vertically 
that I saw. Um, outside of that, I thought they did a really good job of just figuring out different ways to get him, get the ball in his hands. He is kind of, you know, you brought up like Debo Samuel, that type of mode, Percy Harvin. I think the difference between him and Debo Samuel is Debo Samuel is like, is the bully on the football field. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that Tony played with that same type of physicality, or at least I, I would see him run into defenders and try to lower his shoulders, but he would like get slammed on the ground and stuff where Debo, like when he runs into you, like you're going backwards, like he's falling forward and he might keep running. So I don't think he's quite Debo Samuel. I think they are similar in the sense of how you utilize them, where they're not just these pure refined receivers, but you want to figure out different ways to get the ball in their hands. I would like to see him be a little bit more consistent with using his speed in routes. I actually was, I actually put on Twitter, I'm like, hey, was, and I'm sorry you guys hear that loud lawnmower outside. <laughs> but um, I actually asked him, I said, hey, or not him, excuse me, I asked Twitter. I said, was he hurt? Like, I see, like, he has something on his, on his uh, calf. And they were like, oh, no, that's just like a sleeve he wears or whatever. But he looked kind of lumbering a lot of times um, while he was running, I, to the point where I thought maybe something was hurting him with that. And now I did get back that he did have a bunch of injuries prior with like shoulder injuries and these, you know, different things that were kind of nagging him. But yeah, I walked away not as high. And I saw like Bucky, Bucky Brooks had him like a top five receiver in his class. I wouldn't go that far because I just don't see the versatility. I don't, I mean, when I see versatility, I mean, as a pure receiver, he didn't line up outside at all. He was strictly like refined in the slot. Again, wasn't that vertical threat that I would like to get from my receivers. And then I didn't think he played consistently fast or twitchy, and I thought most of the times where he was getting open on routes, it was kind of schemed open. Now, that's not to say that he didn't win on routes. Like, I definitely saw him win routes. But I would have liked to see it be a little bit more consistent, thought he lost a little bit more routes than I would like to see, especially for somebody that was able to play in space and have more of an advantage on the defenders that were guarding him. Let's talk about two other small receivers that I think have explosive potential in the NFL, like Kadarius Tony. One of them is Rondale Moore of Purdue. Love his game. The problem with him is that he's had a lot of injuries, and I know that it's okay to be smaller when you're in the slot, but Rondale Moore is about five foot six, which makes me a little nervous at the NFL level. I'm thinking maybe he could be some sort of Darren Sproles type player. And then the other one is Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Like him a lot. Very explosive. So what do you think of these two guys? Yeah, so Rondell Moore, um, I know he measured in at 5'7", and that's definitely a lot shorter than you would ideally like. Again, that kind of pigeonholes him into being more of a true slot receiver. You know, you would like to get guys that, are, that at least have the ability to line up on the outside, and it would be tough. If you line him up on the outside, your quarterback has to be pinpoint with their accuracy. I think, um, but watching him, he is a pure receiver. Now, he can also do those other things, those jet sweeps and stuff, but when you're comparing him to the other guys that are similar like him, like even with Kadarius Toney or even Rondell Moore, I think he gives you a more pure receiver aspect with just his always playing fast, him threatening guys vertically, um, him being able to win more vertically um, than Tony. Those are the things I really liked. His physicality, obviously he has like a, a, a really nice frame for, you know, somebody that is his, size he's more of a smaller guy but he brings that physicality to it I, I there was a lot that I really liked about Rondell Moore's game and I would say if I'm drafting like a pure slot guy he would probably be my first choice mm -hmm. when I watched Eliza Elijah Moore 
uh, clearly he possesses speed, right? He went to the combat or pro day and ran like in the four threes. I didn't think he always played that fast. There were a lot of times, and, and again, sometimes with what I'm seeing is maybe their their scheme. Maybe he has to like you know read. That's what he looked like. He looked like he's trying to read defenders as he's running routes. Now I don't know that to be the case. If that is the case, then I'll kind of give him a pass. If that's not the case, then that's something I'll knock him on because it's like, hey, I need you to play faster. Now, can he play faster? I- I'm pretty sure he can. Can a, you know? Can an offense, uh, 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 a team in the NFL get him to do that? Yeah, they'll probably work with him on that. But that was just one thing with him. I would like to see. I would like to see a little bit more quickness, twitchiness, suddenness, especially for somebody that's smaller. And that's got to be you. I mean, I talked about wanting that from Jamar Chase. So I'm definitely going to want it from somebody that has a smaller body and his game is going to be more predicated on speed. So again, there, there's definitely a lot to like, especially if you watch highlights, which I don't watch highlights. So that's why sometimes my opinion on these guys kind of differs a little bit. I've n- I have not seen not one highlight film of any guy that we've talked about so far. Um, everything that I've watched is purely off of like watching all 22 and kind of coming away with these takes off of that. So I talk about more of what I'm consistently seeing. I know they have big play ability, but I would like to see Elijah Moore just play a little bit faster and a little bit more sudden, especially for somebody that looks so tiny on film. Like on film, he looks smaller and more slightly built than Rondell Moore. And that's something I kind of, you know, just worry a little bit about because I need you to be able to create separation. He might end up being more like what we saw from um, Tavon Austin, Mm -hmm. right? And I think even Tavon Austin was a very, you know, a more explosive, a more consistently explosive player in college. The last two guys that I have on tier two are bigger guys. Rashad Bateman from Minnesota and Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. Marshall has much better speed than Bateman. Bateman's more of a big body possession type of receiver. What do you think of these two guys? It looks like they're probably both going in the first round. Do you think that's about right for where they should go? I haven't been able to like fully study Rondell, um, not Rondell Moore, excuse me, uh, Rashad Bateman. I don't have his 2020 film. So I've been kind of holding out, holding out, holding out until I get the 2020 film. I do have his 2019 film, but I haven't really dove into it. I do know just off of what I'm seeing, I, I think he, I've seen like Chris Sims say he's more of like a big slot. I, I, I definitely think he's somebody that can play outside or inside. I think he definitely has that type of ability. I think he's an easy mover, which is good, right? He's not the, like, twitches the guys. But I remember watching um, a lot of Johnson last year, um, number six, that ended up getting drafted to Tampa Bay. And I remember saying, saying, like, man, you guys keep telling me to watch this Johnson dude, but the better pro prospect is number 13. Like, that's the guy we should be talking about. And I thought he did a really good job of winning, whether it's underneath, winning with routes, being able to win vertically. I thought his overall game was really good. But I wish I can kind of get that um 2020 film so i can really come to more of a final uh analysis on him now when it comes to terrace marshall i really like him i think he's kind of overshadowed because well you know he played with jamar chase Mm -hmm. he played with um uh, justin jefferson you know at lsu and they kind of get you know all the love obviously but when you watch terrace marshall you you know he i think he's really good he's one of the more well-rounded receivers you know he has that six three frame obviously ran in the four threes I think on film, he does a really good job of playing fast when he needs to, but also being able to take, turn it down just a notch and set up defenders in that way, be patient with that. I think he does a really good job with that. I think his feet are good. I think he's terrific um, catching passes in traffic. 
um, or understanding how to like position himself, position himself to catch a pass while potentially taking a hit. I thought in the red zone, he was really good being able to box guys uh, out and catch passes that way. I, in, in the slot, he reminded me of Muhammad Sanu, where he had really good feet and understanding of leverage and how to kind of get open under there. But then also he can win vertically from the slot, which is what I would like to see from, say, like a guy like Kadarius Tony. Like, I wish he could win vertically from the slot, but this guy can win vertically from the slot, being able to split defenders and run by guys. And he also can win vertically on the outside. So I love, I love his game. And to me, um, I have to see how I finally slot guys. But, like, if he's one of my top five receivers, I wouldn't be surprised at all. There, there's a lot to like about his game. And I think, that, again, I mean, he's been very productive. He was a guy that had, like, 13 touchdowns in the year where Jamar Chase and – uh, Justin Jefferson were getting off. He played primarily outside then. And then this year, he played both. He was wherever they needed him, and he was whatever they needed, whether it was a deep threat or a guy working everything um, intermediate. It kind of got overshadowed a little bit because LSU had such a bad year. The quarterback situation was all screwed up. But I think he was a big-time guy this year. No question about it. And what I noticed from going through all these wide receivers over and over again, taking a look at so many of them, is that this receiver class is extremely deep, just like last year. So you can probably wait until the third or fourth round and get a really talented guy. Although if you want Terrace Marshall Jr., you're probably going to have to get him some part of the first round. I would say probably the back end of it. Let's talk about the other guys that could be targeted later because, as I was saying just now, very deep wide receiver class. You've got names like Amari Rogers, Marquez Stevenson from Houston, whose stock was higher at the beginning of the year and then fell a little bit. Tylon Wallace from Oklahoma State, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. The two receivers from Auburn, Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams. Dynami Brown, whose stock is starting to rise from North Carolina. Just a lot of talent here in this wide receiver class, Eric. Tell me about some of the guys that stuck out to you that we haven't hit on so far. Oh, man, Dynami Brown. He's one of my favorite receivers in this class. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this is what people are missing with Dynami Brown and, and his film. He He's playing in the offense. I remember when I first started watching him and – I'm like, man, like, you know, he only, he's only running three routes. And I think people would see that and say, well, he has, a, you know, he, he, he can't run routes, right? Like, he has a limited route tree. That's what they would say. And what I would say today is his offensive scheme that he was in had a limited route tree. Now, this is the same offensive coordinator that was at Ole Miss with DK Metcalf and those guys. And we saw with DK, what do he do? He ran five-yard stops, 10-yard stops, goal routes, right? Like, you know, and when I'm watching – Diami Brown, I had to really dig deep in my analysis of him. And again, I have a video on all of this stuff. If you guys want to see it, and it's on my uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash crop talk. But Diami Brown is very nuanced with a lot of things he does. I think he possesses extremely good feet. I think he does an amazing job of using um, best release at times. So what best release is, is basically like if the corner is playing too heavy outside, and but you're supposed to take an outside release, instead of taking that outside release, move him outside and then come back inside and then stack the defender. He would do that, get vertically and be able to catch passes down the sideline. So he's a terrific vertical threat from that standpoint. I think he did a really good job of using his vertical speed to open defenders up and then sit the, um, sit the, sit his route down and create separation that way. He did a really good job of after he created that separation, work back to the ball. I don't think I've ever seen the receiver work back to the ball as much as he does, as consistently as he does, and as far. Like, there was one time where he worked back to the ball like five, six, seven, eight yards. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Caught the ball, then 
um, was good after the catch. Again, he brings you that after the catch ability where he has really good speed and he's able to uh, run through guys. He's very physical from that standpoint. Um, when I was watching him, again, when I go into this, I don't look at their height or their weight or anything. I let the film tell me about the guy. And I'm like, man, this guy plays big. He's, he's winning on contested passes, whether vertically. He's winning underneath on routes. But again, he has his limited route tree. I think the offense isn't setting him up for more, much, much success. They don't move him around. They don't motion him or anything like that. It's just you're standing here on the left side, and you're just going to run these few routes. But when you start really watching, you watch a bunch of it, you start finding him run these whip routes and you see the feet and you see how he's making guys, um, he's moving them and you see the speed and you see all this ability. And I'm like, man, if he was just in a more creative offense, he would be a guy that we're talking about. Like say he went to Alabama and what Alabama does with their receivers and how much they move them around and the different things they do with them. He'd be talking, he'd be talked about in, in the top tier with these guys, but they just don't do much at UNC. And it was really hard for, I think for the casual person to watch his film and understanding what they see. But, I mean, he, he did half steps, which a half step is like um, when you're running vertically and it's kind of like this little stutter, but you basically take like half of a step. By the time the defender re reacts to your half step, you're gone. And you saw him do that. I mean, his game is, is really good. So, yeah, this is a guy where I'm like, man, I would take him. If he's there in the second round, I'm the 49ers, right? If I'm the 49ers and he's there, oh, you got to take him no matter what. Mm -hmm. Because I think his best days are ahead of him. And when I was watching on my pro comp for him was – uh, Devontae Adams. He reminds me of that type of player. So I'm, I'm really high on him. I think he has big-time ability. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's Diami Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Any others that you like? Amari Rogers. I think he's like that true slot guy. Um, I think he, he he's going to be good. I think he's going to come in right away and really have that type of niche. You, you Again, another guy that was able to win vertically, win underneath. I really put a lot of stock into being able to win in all areas of the field. I think he did that terrific. And then he took some snaps at like running back at the pro day. So um, we'll see, you know, in this team, I mean, the NFL now is kind of with some of these guys trying to be a little bit like positionless mm -hmm. where you're, you know, you're a receiver, you're an outside guy, you're a slot, you're a running back, they, you know, your jet sweeps and, uh, you know, shovel passes and all these things they're doing with guys. I think he fits that mold. Obviously he's not like the biggest guy. Yeah. And his dad, I mean, T Martin, right. Went to Tennessee, um, was a quarterback in the league. So, you know, and, um, you know, he has that, like, NFL pedigree, like some of the other guys, right? Sante Samuel Jr., Patrick Sertain, um, uh, J.C. Horn, and now Mario Rogers. Like, he's another one of those guys who has that, like, NFL bloodline. And I, I think he's going to be a really good uh, slot guy, gadget guy, you know, a guy that they could use all over the field in the NFL. He, he fits today's game, that's for sure. It's amazing. Until you brought it up, Eric, I had no idea that T. Martin was Amari Rogers' father. T. Martin, of course, won a national championship as the quarterback at the University of Tennessee, something that Peyton Manning was unable to do. So that is an incredible bloodline. Like you, I love it when we're talking second, third generation players because it just means that in a lot of cases, they were around the right people who showed them how to be a professional. Let me ask you, Eric, you know the system that the Jets are going to run, or at least some sort of approximation of it, because we know LaFleur is going to tweak it a little bit, but it's going to be something similar to what his brother ran in Green Bay and to what Kyle Shanahan has been running in San Francisco. Which receivers do you think would be a really good fit in this system that we've talked about? And where would you go in terms of the different rounds and where you would pick these guys? Because the Jets pick at 23, at 34, and then again, they have two picks 
in the third round, one at the top of the round, 66, one more at the bottom of the round. That's the Seattle pick. And then again in the fourth round, what's the sweet spot for some of these guys and which ones do you think would fit the system best? You know, I think um, if you kind of just look at Kyle Shanahan and what he has prioritized, one is guys that can be quick and instant separators. So he really likes that. And then the other thing that he really covets is physicality. Now with, who is it, Dante Pettis, they went away from that a little bit and it clearly did not work out. Mm -hmm. So I would say the instant separators and guys with really good physicality. Now, Kyle did a really good job of playing to guys' strengths and putting him in positions for them to win. So you can have a guy that has both of those things or one or the other, and they'll probably just be on the field at the same time. Um, but I think the, the physicality part was something that he, like, that was like, okay, you got to be like, you got to have that. So if I were just to say, like, say a guy, second, I mean, first round, and kind of gives you that type of ability when I'm picking at 23. I would say maybe like Terrace Marshall. I think at that, at that point, Terrace Marshall would be somebody who, one, he definitely gives you those quicks, but he plays with that physicality, that ability to play in traffic. They run a lot of slants and a lot of timing, right? This is kind of like at his core uh, West Coast offense. I think he can win in that way in traffic underneath right now, but also gives you the ability to run through zones and be that vertical threat. So I think Terrace Marshall, he's definitely somebody that would fit um, right now. You know, I think if you're looking kind of like later or maybe second round, even a guy like Rondell Moore, even though he's smaller, um, he kind of gives you that Debo Samuel ability to where, you know, even though he's not this pure outside guy, you still can line them up in tight splits a lot. They, they line up in a bunch of like tight splits in this, in this offense. And he can win on slants right now and they get the ball in his hands. They use them on like the end of rounds and things like that. So I think those are two guys right away where maybe, you know, first round, maybe more so Terrace Marshall, second round, maybe more so a guy like Rondell Moore. Very interesting. Glad to get your insight on this, Eric, because as I said, you know receivers very well, but you also know the San Francisco 49ers system. So you know which receivers would fit best here. So it was great to talk to you about all of that. Eric Crocker, you've got your hands full, man. You've got your Patreon. You've got all the film study stuff. You're training athletes. What don't you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't sleep enough. Well, since you're not sleeping enough and you've got all these projects going on, why don't you tell everybody about how they can follow what you're doing? Yeah, so um, Patreon.com, like a lot of what I've talked about today, you can find breakdowns on pretty much every one of those guys. Um, and if I don't have it up yet, I'm pretty sure most of the guys we've talked about, like Amari Rogers, um, who was uh, Rondell Moore, like those guys' uh, breakdowns are coming up. So anything you want to know about those type of prospects, the defensive guys, the, I'm, I'm, I'm more, my Patreon is more so receiver and defensive back-based. Um, I also give you a podcast with that, um, that I don't post to any other platforms. So you have that as well. And then I have my YouTube channel, which is Croc Talk TV, where I'm starting to post different things and, you know, teach tape technique. Um, I do some kind of breakdowns, but it's more like, uh, you know, talking with guys. You know, I just have my quarterback guy on there discuss, you know, quarterbacks and kind of the process of everything. He trains Josh Allen. So I have a lot of those things. I just started using my YouTube page, but it's growing pretty fast. I got to like a thousand subscribers in a week. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all those things, man. YouTube uh, is Crop Talk TV. Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash Crop Talk. 
there you go. Make sure that you subscribe to Eric's YouTube channel and check out his Patreon as well. And make sure that you're following everything that we're doing over on our YouTube channel. In fact, Luke Grant's got a brand new video up right now about Kendrick Green the interior offensive lineman from Illinois. I say that because even though he's a guard, he has played some center, so he could do either one. Really good fit in the zone blocking scheme. Luke breaks down exactly why. I'm a big fan of Kendrick Green, so check it out right now. It's up on our YouTube channel. And also, Kayla Pace's latest. Pace's playbook is up as well right now. Plus, we've got plenty of great stuff up at playlikeajet.com. Tommy Griffincrantz wrote a fantastic piece breaking down some of the players that the Jets have spoken to more than once. There was that report by our friend Nick Spano over at U Stadium that talked about which players the Jets have spoken with. So, he started breaking those players down so you can get a little bit of a primer on those guys right now at playlikeajet.com. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.